0: Chapter 3, and I'm going to share something with you that was a blessing to me. The Lord um, spoke to me through it and uh, helped me a little bit as we go through this time of difficulty together. Daniel chapter 3. Remain seated if you don't mind. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse number 15. Read a very familiar passage that I think most of us know of and uh, have been learning for uh, all of our life, probably since Sunday school. Daniel chapter number three. As we read about the three Hebrew boys... Going into the fiery furnace, and oh, how there are so many lessons as I was studying through Daniel chapter 3 over the last couple of weeks. I don't know how many three-point outlines I was able to just sit there and jot down. Now, I don't know which ones the Lord's going to allow us to preach on, but uh, unless this morning, that's for sure. We know this morning, but there's so many good things for us here, particularly during this time of persecution that we are entering into now uh, in this country. Daniel chapter number 3, look down to verse 15. The Bible says here Nebuchadnezzar speaking to the three Hebrew boys. He's about to give them uh, another opportunity for them to submit to worshiping the idol that he has set up. And he tells them, Now if ye be ready, at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Notice the question he ends verse fifteen with. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. To be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand. I love their faith that he know, they know that, that God's going to deliver them one way or the other. Verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Verse number 19, we read about Nebuchadnezzar's temper, and he commands them to be thrown into the fire. Verse number 20, the Bible says, And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Skip on down. If we could, we know the story. The Bible says in verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound in the midst, into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Last verse, verse 26. Then, very important word. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, there's so much we need from this passage today. Uh, Lord, as we enter into a time, Lord, which is new to us, where, uh, Lord, it is uh, a real persecution in our country, and, Lord, a real fire that we face in our service to you, I pray that we would cling to your word and the promises and the examples that have been set forth by those who have gone before us. I pray we'd glean from it today what you have us to have. Help us receive it, help us respond to it in a way pleasing to you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back in the late 90s, Uh, My mom and dad uh, would take a lot of our teenagers from our church and from our camp on uh, mission trips out west. And uh, we have a, g- a couple of good contacts out there. Matter of fact, I told Brother AJ I'd love to go back out there here in the next uh, next year or so out in Montana and Wyoming on the Indian reservations right here in the United States. If you've ever been out to them, uh, the Crow Reservation out from Billings, Montana, and the Arapaho Reservation out there from Riverton, Wyoming, uh, they're great places to go for a starter mission trip. Uh, it's the closest thing you can come to leaving the country without actually leaving the country. And it's an amazing culture when you go out there that you're in the United States, but they have such a different culture out there on the Indian reservations, a lot of their own laws and their own uh, tribal traditions and whatnot. And we used to go out there every, every year for about three or four years, and uh, we'd always slip in a little time for some trout fishing and sightseeing up there in the mountains. But one of the places that we would go by was the Little Bighorn Battlefield, uh, where Custer and the 7th Cavalry were uh, defeated by the Sioux Indians uh, on that very notable day. And uh, one of the things I remember as we toured the Little Bighorn Battlefield, uh, you go, they mainly have a one one main building that you go in. It's kind of a museum. Uh, and then they have a a, uh, a graveyard that's around it where soldiers can still to this day, I believe, be buried there. And then you walk out on the prairie, and it's just rolling hills of prairie grass. And from time to time you look out there in the grass and you can see the gray tombstones for where some of the soldiers fell uh, the day that Custer and his men were defeated. I believe it was back in 1983. There was a wild prairie fire moving across that area, and it was moving toward the little bighorn battle. Uh, and they were very worried that it was going to come through. It was going to demolish the buildings and damage a lot of the uh, the tombstones that were there and the monument that had been set up. And sure enough, that prairie fire came through the Little Bighorn Battlefield and burned up all of the acreage. I mean, it just swept through there, and all the Little Bighorn Battlefield prairie was scorched. I mean, burned black as could be. All that you could see left really was the tombstones dotting the hillside and the museum that was there. And as unexpected as it was, and as heartbreaking as it was to have that fire move through there and cause so much destruction, there was actually something good that came out of the fire. The fire actually proved to be very beneficial uh, to the archaeologists that were on site, still researching what happened on that day. Uh, As they walked over the field after the fire had moved through, they found that the fire had revealed a lot of artifacts that previously they did not know were there and were laying right there on the surface of the ground. Uh, They found firearms. They found uh, casings from bullets. They found real bullets that hadn't been shot. Uh, They even found skeletal remains of some of the soldiers that had previously been undiscovered. And so I read an article on it last night, I read several articles on it actually, and how they look back at that fire as being one of the most beneficial tragedies that they had ever gone through, because it really revealed to them a lot of things that they did not know about the battle. They were able to find little piles of shell casings and tell where a soldier had stood. They were able to figure out where the Indians came up and where the Sioux came up uh, and overwhelmed them, and really begin to piece together a lot of the unknowns about that particular battle. And so looking back on it, as much as they did not like the fire, the fire actually proved to be beneficial. Now I think about that a little bit this morning. They didn't ask for that fire. They did not want that fire. But in the end, the fire proved to be something that was helpful to them. I can't help but think about the last six, seven months that we have gone through together. The last six or seven months, I think we could all agree this morning, probably one of the few times all of us Baptists could agree together on the same thing that we have all gone through a fire the last six or seven months. It's not been a fire that we desire to come through our life like that prairie fire moving across the fields of Montana. It was not something they wished for, not something they asked for, but it was something that came all the same, and we're going through that right now. We didn't ask for it. We don't wish for it, but to be honest with you, I believe there are some benefits to this fire that we are going through. I think all of us this morning are looking for ways to get out of this, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm ready for this fire to be over. I'm tired of being in this fiery furnace. I I told you last Sunday, I'm looking forward to just a normal Sunday. I really am. Just a plain old normal Sunday with everybody back in God's house together. It's just been so turbulent. The difficult times have brought people's feelings right below the surface. And the visions or temptations during these times. And strife or temptations during these times. And this fire is not something I enjoy. It's not something I know you enjoy either. No one in this country enjoys what we're going through right now. But as we look forward to getting out of this fire, I believe there's some things that we need to learn while we're in the fire. We're looking forward to getting out of this furnace, and we're looking forward to getting back to a normal time. But as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to show us this morning, there's a lot of things I believe we can learn while we are in the fire that we can take with us out of the fire. And I believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give us an undeniable example of just a few things that we can find in the fire. Just like those archaeologists there at the Little Bighorn Battlefield, the fire helped them to find some things that they did not previously know were there. And I believe this morning that the fire we're going through will help us find some things maybe that are undiscovered in our own life or even within the Word of God in the promises of God if we're just willing to look. So this morning, let's look at that subject of what we can find in the fire. We're going to go into the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to see what they found and that they they could only find in the fire as those archaeologists walked around they began to piece together anomalies things they didn't know about that battle there were some unknowns about uh, where the battle took place and where the heated the heated, most heated parts of the battle were at and after the fire came through all of that became clear they found the piles of shell casings that were there and they were able to piece it together better but only after the fire now, folks, I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life I don't have figured out spiritually. There's some things I'd like to know a little bit more about. There's my walk with God that I'd like to be closer. I'd like to know him even better. But I tell you something, oftentimes we're only going to learn those things as we go through the fire. So let's look at three things this morning, very simple thought, that we're going to look at what we can find in the fire. Now, look down, if you will, to verse number 19. The Bible says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, in the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Now watch what he commanded them to do. It's very important. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to what? To bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says they did. Verse 21. Then these men were... Bound in their coats, their hose, and their hats, the other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. We look on down just a little bit. Verse number twenty-three. The Bible says these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down what? Bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, folks, I believe every word that's in the Word of God is there on purpose. God meant it to be there, and He keeps repeating the fact that they were thrown into the fire and they were bound. Look down to verse twenty-six. I'm sorry, verse twenty-five. The Bible says he answered and said, lo, I see four men, what? Loose. So God made a point three times to remind us that when they were thrown into this fire, they were thrown into the fire, restrained, or they were bound. And now Nebuchadnezzar shows us that they're not only in the fire and still living, but they are loose. What I want you to see is, as best we can tell, the only thing that was consumed in the fire were the things that bound them. Notice that. The only thing that we can see that was consumed by the fire were the things that bound them or the ropes that had them. So number one this morning, the first thing I believe we can find in the fire, notice the fire resulted in freedom. The fire resulted in freedom. The only thing that the fire burns, as a matter of fact, we'll read just a few moments, the Bible says they did not even have the smell of the fire on them. Do you know how hard that is? That is a miracle in itself. You ever been standing around a campfire, maybe on New Year's? Matter of fact, we were walking somewhere the other day, my wife and I were, and we smelled some smoke. Someone was burning some leaves, and my wife says, Reminds me of my birthday. I'm thinking to myself, why does burning leaves remind you of your birthday? She said, well, you know, my birthday is January the 1st. And at midnight, they're always celebrating the new year and uh, popping in fireworks. And so her birthday is always associated with that smell of smoke because that's when her birthday is on January the 1st. But you're around a campfire, you're lighting fireworks, and you go in, and your clothes just smell like what? They smell like smoke. And so we know how devastating this fire was. It killed the men that threw them in. And yet the Bible says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. And the only damage that was done in this fire was the fact that the things which bound them were consumed. Here's what I want you to see. As frightening as this fire had to have been. Folks, can I tell you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were humans. Okay? They were human beings. And just because they walked with God doesn't mean that it was something they were looking forward to being thrown into the fire. But as devastating as this fire was, and as frightening as it must have been to them, I want you to notice that God used the fire. Okay? God used the fire. God actually used the fire that Nebuchadnezzar had meant for destruction. God actually used the fire to burn the ropes off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can I tell you something this morning? God can use anything, including fire. Right now, we're going through this furnace together. I don't like it. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm ready for it to be over. I'm hoping November rolls around. And no matter what happens, this is going to be over after the election. I hope we can get back to some type of normal. I don't enjoy it whatsoever. But can I explain to you this morning, instead of griping, complaining about the fire we're going through, why don't we try to see what God could do with the fire in our life? We often quote Romans 8.28. It's almost like a southern cliché. Uh, you folks from the north, I may have to ask you, they may use it up north as well, but we just we spit it out almost like bless your heart. We use that so often here in the south. It's like a band-aid that fixes anything. And we throw out Romans 8.28 just like it's a cliche that's going to make everything feel better. All things work together for good. I believe that because it's in the word of God. But can I tell you, some of those all things is sometimes going to be fire. God can use fire for his benefit and for his glory. And we notice that God used the fire to consume the ropes that were on their hands. I'll tell you one thing. This is personal, right? There has been a never-ending barrage of theories and conspiracy theories about what the government is trying to do in the midst of this circumstance that we're going through. And look, I have no doubt that those in the powers of darkness would love nothing more than to capitalize and to use what we're going through. I agree with that 100%. But instead of us trying to figure out what the government is doing through this furnace that we're going through, why don't we try to figure out what God may be trying to do in the midst of the fire that we're going through? God could use this fire for our benefit and for his glory if we just got our focus on what he was desiring to do in our life. Oftentimes we overlook what he does through difficulty. I think a prime example would be Joseph this morning. We look at Joseph and all the furnaces that Joseph went through. The furnace of persecution he was lied about and he was forgotten. I mean, look, being forgotten is just about as worse than being persecuted. And yet Joseph went through furnace after furnace after furnace. And at the end of the story, Joseph tells us the secret to going through the furnace. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So watch this. Joseph wasn't focusing on what they were meaning to do with the fire. Joseph was focusing on what God was doing with the fire. And Joseph says, God's working in my life for his glory through the fire he was going through. Folks, can I tell you something? You can smile in the furnace from time to time knowing that all things do work together for good. And as a child of God, as we seek to serve God and walk with God, even when he leads us through a furnace, listen, it's going to be for our good. He's going to work through that. give you a verse to remind you this morning, James chapter 1, verse number 2. The Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. In my notes, I highlighted that from my own personal memory. Listen closely, and I'm going to repeat it, but I'm going to leave one word off. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh. The trying of your faith worketh. Look, as we go through that trying time and that trial and the fire doesn't feel good. We didn't ask for this. I'm not asking for any more. I haven't liked what I've already gotten already. It's kind of like Brussels sprouts used to be for me. Mom would put Brussels sprouts or broccoli on the plate, and I don't know why those vegetables stink, but they stink. Now I love them. Put enough butter on them, they're good. And now my wife cooks those. They look like little alien eggs on the plate. I'll eat just about all the Brussels sprouts. My daughter doesn't like them, but one day she will. Man, you put them on the plate, and they kind of stink, and you don't like them, but after a while you realize, you know what? Those are pretty good. Folks, fire is something we don't like and we don't enjoy. But I assure you, our God can work in it. And God was working in this fire for their good. I read a story years ago. I was preaching chapel in college and was looking for a good illustration. You know, with the, with the invention of the Internet, preachers have really, really branched out and gotten all the good illustrations. All right? Used to, you had to mine them out of books. Now you just go Google and find a good illustration. And I found a good one in the book one time, but I think it's already been used. But there's a pine cone. Out in the western states, matter of fact, you find it commonly in uh, Yellowstone National Park, it's the lodgepole pine. The lodgepole pine is what the Indians used to use because it's very straight, very slender, and they would use them, obviously, in their lodges. That's why they're called lodgepole pines. These lodgepole pines have a very interesting pine cone. In the tops of those trees, they have a pine cone, I wrote the word down, uh, serotonous pine cone. If I say that correctly, it's a very big word and I don't use it often, serotonous pine cone. And that pine cone can remain in the top of those lodgepole pines for 50 to 60 years. Those pine cones, now around here, they just fall. We have those great big ones in our yard. They're really good to start your fireplace up. My, my in-laws will take some home with them and they drip wax on them. They used to start their fireplaces. And they usually fall every year. But on the lodgepole pines, those pine cones can stay in the tops of those trees for 50 or 60 years. Never releasing their seed. That pine cone has such a thick uh, 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 sap that's inside of them that that sap holds it close and keeps it close, and the seeds are never allowed to fall to the earth like those little whirly birds, and to bring up a new forest for the future. you know the only thing that will release those pine cones and make them let go of their seeds? It's a forest fire. I've been to Yellowstone many times, and I remember back, uh, I think it was probably 2002, 2001, 2002, we went to Yellowstone, took the young people there, and there was a big area of burnout. And it was just—it was sad because Yellowstone is such a beautiful place, and they have the mountains there and the big streams running through. I mean, Yellowstone is just a beautiful, beautiful creation of God. He focused a lot of time right there on Yellowstone, no doubt. And yet you see this bald spot where the trees are burning, just the stumps of trees standing there still charred, and the ground is just you know, little scrub brush coming up in there. But in the midst of all of that scrub brush, there's these small lodgepole pines that sprung up because that forest fire moved through. And yes, it destroyed the older trees that were there. It gave birth to a young new forest that is going to eventually take its place. But it took fire. It took fire for those pine cones to release the seeds that a new forest could be, could be born again. Now, folks, can I tell you something this morning? I don't like fire. I don't like going through persecution. I don't like going through trials. I don't like furnaces. But I'll tell you, there are some times in our life that God has to allow us to go through this season of fire to help us release those seeds that we're holding tight to and to let go of. Notice it burned the ropes off their hands. I was thinking this week as I studied through this, how often in my life do I hold on to some things, or perhaps things hold on to me, and I'm not willing to let go of those things, or it's hard to get those things to let go of me, God has to send a little bit of fire in my life to help get me loose of the things that bind me and hold me back. How often in our lives are we living maybe in just an area of our life, rebellion toward God, and we're holding back something from God. And those things that we hold back from God, those are the things that bind us. Those are the things that hold us back. And yet fire comes through our life, a time of trying. You know what it helps us do? It helps us to be released and find freedom of those things that are holding us back. It's been amazing to me. The 11 o'clock service, I don't guess you you, you see it as much, but the 11 o'clock service, we've had visitors just about every Sunday. Is that correct? Every Sunday we're having visitors. People walking through the doors. We had just a man just this past week ring the doorbell in the church. Very nice young man, a veteran, uh, come to the door, just going through this time of trial. I mean, contemplating suicide. Comes and rings the doorbell. I sit there on the the, the bench beside the door, and we speak for a few moments together, and uh, I ask him why was he contemplating that. It's just going through this difficult time, and I can't hear God, and uh, God doesn't speak to me, and I can't hear him. and So I'm going to end it all. Begin going to share with him the good news of the gospel. man got saved there, and Lord willing, we'll be here in our 11 o'clock service today. But here's what I want you to see. This time of fire, this time of this furnace and this difficulty, it's making people seek God. It's making people let go of things. It's making people move forward in their walk with God aside from the things that bind them. Folks, can I tell you something we ought to let this fire do for us right now? This time of trying that we're going through, we ought to let it burn away all the things that bind us. We ought to let it burn away all the things that hold us back. That's what it did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Something interesting I want you to see. Do you know what Christ wanted them to do with him in the fire. We know because we can read exactly what happens. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse 25, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no herd. in the form of the four that's like the Son of God. Christ wanted to walk with them in the fire. All right? Stick with me. Christ wanted to walk with them in the fire. But you know what? It's hard to walk when you're bound, isn't it? It's hard to walk when you're tied up. And so those things that are holding you back and have you bound, they've got to go in order for you to be able to walk with Christ in the midst of the fire. And listen, it's tough as the fire is at times. And as much as it's uncomfortable at times, and we wish we could get out of the fire at times, oh, sometimes a little bit of fire is good. Why? Because it burns up the things that hold us back from walking with Christ. How often in my life have I had things that maybe I wasn't willing to let go of? Or maybe something I thought was not that big of a deal, but that little something was keeping me from walking with Christ. And all of a sudden, a little fire comes in my life. God heats things up for us from time to time, doesn't he? Oh, God knows our number. God knows where to start the fire. God knows where to light it up, where he gets our attention. And after a while, the fire gets so hot, I'm willing to let go of that thing that's holding me back from walking with him. So what can we find in the fire this morning? We can find that the fire resulted in freedom. Unfortunately, oftentimes Christians are heat activated, aren't we? We as Christians are oftentimes heat-activated. When I was at Disney World just a few weeks ago, I always buy a coffee cup. That's my souvenir. I just buy a coffee cup, get one every year that I'm there. And I couldn't really find one. You're going to find this weird, but I stand in front of the wall of coffee cups, and I stare at them. And I have to find the one that really speaks to me, you know, that really is my personality. I can't just drink out of a generic coffee cup. It's got to be a coffee cup that speaks to me. And I'm looking at all of these coffee cups, and none of them. They just seem so generic. Just an average Joe on the street would have one of those. I said, This has got to be my coffee cup, my souvenir from this trip. And I'm looking at it and I find one. It's a white coffee cup. And it's got all these black splotches on it. It looks like a kind of like a, a cow. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I said, what is this coffee cup? It was just a white cup. I should have brought it. It had all of these little black splotches on it. Well, there was a tag on the handle. And I began to read the tag and realize that all of those splotches were Disney characters. But you couldn't see them until you filled the cup up with hot water. And when you filled the cup up with hot water, all of a sudden the characters begin to come clear. That one little black dot, that was Aladdin. This other little black blob that was there was Mickey Mouse. This other little blob that was there was Cinderella. And it's amazing. I love sticking it under there, filling it. Look, I'm 40. I still enjoy stuff like that. I hope I always enjoy stuff like that. I love sitting there just watching it. I'm watching all the little characters become clear. Watch this. What was a little bit unclear... And what was a little bit in the shadows, it becomes crystal clear, but it's heat activated. You're not going to see it clearly without a little heat first. And I'll tell you, oftentimes in our walk with God, there's gray areas in there. I mean, you know, there's something, well, I'm not sure if this is right or this is wrong. And all of a sudden, when that heat comes into our life, it activates us a little bit. and helps us to see what the will of God is ever so clearly. Isaiah 48.10, I want to encourage you, write this verse down and go home and read it. Isaiah 48.10, what a fitting verse for this time we're going through. The Bible says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Notice what he says. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Do you know what affliction does for us at times as much as we don't like it? It refines us. It refines us. You know, refining is when you take something and you heat it up and you heat it up and you heat it up. And you're getting out the impurities, the things that don't belong. Those things that, which bind us and hold us back. And you heat it up and you heat it up and you heat it up and you keep scooping off the impurities. I've told you the story before of when the silversmith was asked, how do you know when the silver is refined and it's ready and the silversmith says, when I can see my reflection? When I can look down in the silver and see myself looking back, that's how I know when it's pure. And that's how our Father refines us. It takes a little heat sometimes to burn away the things that bind us and to hold us back. But that refining, oh my goodness, what a blessing it is in the end. Because in the end we reveal Christ. This world's looking for Christ. And one day they're going to see Him. But watch this, it's going to be too late. The next time this world sees Christ, it's too late for them. And so they've got to see Christ before then. And can I tell you who they're going to see it in? You and I. He's going to refine us in the furnace of affliction. And Folks, I listen, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't like this time of of trial any more than you do. But we can find something good in the fire, and we can find the fire resulted in freedom. The fire actually set them free. But let's keep reading. Verse number 25, he says, Lo, I see four men. Four men. It goes on to say that that fourth is like the son of God. Now, here's what's interesting: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had told Nebuchadnezzar all about their God. They had told him about them. Okay, they had spoken with their mouths. But wait a minute! It was in the fire that they actually showed Nebuchadnezzar who that they had been talking about. Number two, what else can we find in the fire this morning? Notice the fire revealed their faith. The fire revealed their faith. Now, understand this. The very nature of faith makes it invisible, all right? That's what the Bible says it's the uh, uh, evidence of things not seen, all right? Faith is invisible. That's why it's easy to boast about. We love to boast about things people can't see, you know? We boast about things we know. We boast about faith that we have. But wait a minute. Can I tell you sooner or later, the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead, that sooner or later the faith that we have spoken of with our mouth ought to be proved out in something within our life. It ought to be revealed in our life. Can I tell you something that I have learned? Our faith will be revealed in the fire. Our faith will be revealed in the fire. Your faith is going to be found out. Faith is not just something we can talk about. Sooner or later, your faith is going to be found out through the works and the testimony of our life or by how you hold up or don't hold up in the midst of the fire. I'll be honest with you. I know this is a a trying time we're going through. And I'm not picking on anybody, but boy, I have seen them dropping like flies. People who... Maybe boasted of a great faith. Talked a really good game. Maybe even people who were faithful to come to the house of God, but they were not faithful to God in their life. And this fire has burned away all of the fluff. You know, that's what fire does. When that fire moved through the little bighorn battlefield, it just moved right through, burned off all the grass, burned off all of the, the tumbleweeds that were there, all of the sagebrush, just burned it all up. And the only thing that was left were those things that could not burn. And I'll tell you right now, all of the fluff and all of the flash and all of the fancy that we have within our hearts today and all of the faith that we boast about, it's about to be tried and most of it's going to be burned away. Why? Because it's not real. Proverbs 24.10, the Bible tells us this, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now notice the wonderful principle there. If thou faint in the day of adversity. What is the day of adversity? That's the fire. He said, if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So what is the principle? The principle showing us that the fire or the adversity will show us our measure of strength. Because if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Matthew chapter number 8, we read about Jesus and the disciples on on the ship in the midst of the storm. The Bible calls it a tempest. I think we could call that a fire. They're going through a time of trying and a time of testing, this time of tempest. And oh, my goodness, what a wonderful word to describe our country today. It's a tempest. It's almost reaching a fevered pitch. Uh, I'm thankful the election's only about 60 days away because I don't know if we could survive another month before the election gets here. And we're in this tempest as the disciples were in Matthew chapter number eight. And they went to Christ and they said, Save us. They're panicking, they're flipping out. I mean, you got to save us. you got to do something. And what did he say to them? Oh, ye of little faith. Notice the tempest. The tempest revealed their faith. Folks, can I tell you, listen, we can know all the Bible in the world. I, I actually know a couple of people who memorized just about all of it. Memorized it. You can memorize all of it that you can. You can be in every church service. But sooner or later, I assure you, your, te- your faith is going to be tested. as we to be tested in the tempest. It's not going to be the knowledge that gets you through. It's not going to be how many years you sat in a pew. It's going to be what your faith was or what your faith wasn't. Back in my office, I have a brick from the Chicago Fire. I gave them out on Father's Day. Uh, it took me a long time to find some real Chicago bricks from Chicago Fires. And I found some. I gave them out at our church in Louisiana over Father's Day. And those bricks are, are quite remarkable when you see the, the words that are on some of them and the burn marks that are on some of them and the paint from the buildings that were there. But those Chicago bricks are very valuable. The Chicago wood is not, do you know why? It didn't survive the fire. The Chicago glass is not very valuable because it didn't survive the fire. Chicago windows and doors were not very famous or not very valuable because they didn't survive the fire. But it's those Chicago brick. They're so valuable today. you know why? They survived the fire. They proved it. They proved their integrity. What fire is going to do for us this morning, as much as we may not like the fire, fire is going to reveal our faith. What I fear this morning is, I fear the fire is revealing a faith. It's not what we thought it was. All right, I'm going to be the first to raise my hand this morning and tell you that going through this six, seven months of trying, this six or seven month long furnace we've been in, I have found out that I'm not exactly everything I thought I was either. I found out that all the fluff, I found out that some of the fancy, I found out that some of the flash, listen, that's not going to hold up. The only thing that's going to hold up in the midst of the fire is real faith. And that fire is going to reveal that. 1 Corinthians 3.13, listen close what the Bible tells us. The Bible says every man's work shall be made manifest. What does manifest mean? Revealed. All of our works shall be revealed for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by what? Fire. One day that's how our works, what we've done in this life, all that we have invested our time, our efforts, our talents and resources in, one day all of that's going to be tried by fire. And I tell you, the only thing that's going to remain is what was done for the cause of Christ. That's it. What we did for ourselves and what we did for others is not going to last. It's going to be burned. This is why Job tells us, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job understood that as he went through that furnace that he went through, and oh, you're talking about heated seven times. Job's furnace was heated seven times. Job knew that he was going through a time of trying, and he says, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth. What is he saying? My faith's going to be revealed. He knew that his faith and his God was real. Matter of fact, you go all the way back to Job chapter 1, verse number 1, and you'll see the testimony of Job. The Bible says he was perfect, upright, feared God, and escheweth evil. It was real. I have told you before, growing up in a preacher's home and then becoming a young preacher in a preacher's home... Uh, my dad's words were, I don't want you to be a flim-flam man. I didn't always know what a flim-flam man was. I later learned what it was. But he would always pound into us the importance of being real. Being real. Because when you get out there in the world, and you get out there in ministry, the only thing that's going to hold up is the fact that you had a real faith, something that was grounded upon the very word and will of God. It's got to be real. And I want you to know there's a lot of folks in our day and age right now finding out That they had fluff rather than faith. Kind of reminds me of The Wizard of Oz when uh, I've watched it many times. Watch it with, I was going to say with my daughter, but I've watched it without my daughter. All right. Remember, I'm only 40. And uh, remember on The Wizard of Oz, and they had that big old head that was there? And he's the great and powerful Oz, you know, and scared everybody, and everybody did what he said. And then before it was all along, I think it was Toto, was it Toto, who went around there where the curtain was at, and Toto kind of pulled the curtain back, and there's this little old guy sitting there pulling handles and making noise and all of that. You see, he had been revealed to just be a big head. And how often is that the case in the church today? We're just big heads. That's all we are. We may have a lot of Bible knowledge and have a lot of talk, but behind the curtain, we're just somebody pulling some strings and manipulating things by what we say and by what we think we know. Can I tell you what's going to pull back that curtain for us right now? This fire. It's going to reveal our faith. I've seen two things happen in the last six months. I've seen this fire bring out the best in some, and I've, I've seen this fire reveal the worst in others. The fire's not going to leave you the same. So number two, what can we find in the fire? Well, we found in their fire, their faith was revealed. The last thing I want you to see, the Bible says in verse number 15, Nebuchadnezzar asked a question. I reminded you to keep that in mind earlier when we read this at the beginning of the service. He says, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He's asking a question. Who is it? Who is it that has the power to deliver you? And yet, know what he? notice what he says in verse 26. The Bible says he came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. He's not asking you more, is he? He asked in verse number 15, who is that God? And now he is telling them who their God is. He is the Most High God. You see, God used the fire in a way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably never would have realized what God was going to do. Through it. Number three, notice the final thing this morning. The fire resulted in followers. The fire resulted in followers. The difference in verse 15 before the fire and the difference in what happened in verse 26 after the fire. Can I tell you where the difference was made at? In the fire. That's where the difference was made. He's asking on the front side, who is that God? And he's saying on the back back side, your God is the most high God. What made the difference for him to go and have his question answered? The difference happened in the fire. When he saw what their God had done for them, he decided, you know what? This is the most high God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had led others to follow the Lord, but they had to go through the fire first. You know, we do a lot of things. We do, and I'm thankful for all the different ways we try to reach people, and that's great. Uh, We try to find the right words to say or maybe try to get a nice track printed up that's going to grab their attention or find catchy phrases that's going to get their attention or maybe Facebook broadcast. We try all these ways to lead people to Christ and that's great. Because I think one of the greatest ways you could lead someone to Christ is by them watching you go through the fire. Just let them watch you go through the fire. Instead of spending years and years begging and begging and begging, listen, why don't they see your faith go into action when your life and God leads you through a fiery furnace? They see your faith in action. They see your faith revealed. And then they desire to have the same faith you have, all because of what happened in the fire. Remember, Elijah was all by himself on Mount Carmel, all by himself. And the Bible says that he told the people, If Baal be God, follow him. If God be God, follow him. And they answered him not a word. And then the fire of God falls down. And what did the Bible say? The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. But somebody had to have faith first. Who was it? Elijah. Elijah led them through, and then they were willing to follow after they saw his faith revealed. Listen, folks, let's quit spending all of our time telling people about our faith, and let's show them our faith. And one of the best places you can show them your faith is through the fire. Sometimes in order to lead men to Christ, you may have to lead them through a fire. Because our world is just as curious as Nebuchadnezzar was. What do you say? Who is that God? Who is that God? Look, I'm telling you right now, it's not hard to pick fruit. You just got to give people something real. There are people looking right now as we go through this difficult time together. There's people looking who have never looked before. There's people turning to God who've never turned to God before, and they're looking for the answer to the question, who is that God that can deliver us from this? And here we are, we have the answer, but we bail out of the fire. We quit on God. We quit being faithful. We back off of our service to God. Folks, can I tell you something? As much as I hate what we're going through right now, this furnace that we're going through, I believe there's some things we can find in this fire. I believe this morning that there could be some followers after the fire based on how we go through the fire. So this morning the message is simply this. There's some things we can find in this fire. Listen, instead of spending all of our time trying to figure out when we're going to get out of it and griping and complaining about, hey, I'm ready for this to be over, let's figure out what we can find in it. And I'll tell you, those things are simply this. We'll find freedom in the fire. Why don't you let this furnace we're going through help you turn loose of those things that bind you and hold you back from walking with Christ. I believe this morning that you could find in the fire that your faith is going to be revealed and it may be revealed that it's not what you thought it was, but hey, at least you find out now and not later. Because when our works are tried by fire, then it's too late to do anything about it. But right now, as we go through this time, we realize that so many things that we put stock in are not holding up, but real faith will. And that fire's revealed that are finally... We see, the fire can result in followers. I want to ask you this question before we have invitation this morning. Ask our pianists to come. What's God trying to do in the fire? What's God trying to do in this fire? We're looking forward to getting out of it, and we're yet to ask the question, God, what are you trying to do while we're in it? And he did what a wonderful work in the life and through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. So this morning, what's God trying to do? What's God trying to show in the fire. Because I assure you this morning, if we'll open our hearts and minds to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, he'll show us what he wants us to do and how he wants us to lead. Our heads are bowed this morning and eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Our pianist...